Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And unfortunately for us, there has been no Wisconsin basketball since the last time we spoke. The break a little bit in the schedule. Don't take on Nebraska till Saturday. So in the first half of the show, we, we like the format of basketball and then a little football. You guys, you know, in check and, and wanting, giving you that balance that everybody's looking for. So Similar to what we did in the college football season when there was a couple lulls in the schedule, we're just going to do a, a little Big Ten overview, a college basketball national landscape overview, kind of get into some who we think is a, a, maybe a deep run player for March and things like that. And then in the back half of the show, we're going to continue our position preview with the running back position. So a very important one, a hard one to replace in Jonathan Taylor with his departure going pro. But there's some solid bodies in that running back room, which we'll get into a little bit later. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, I mean, it's a little weird not having a Badger basketball game to recap and, and talk about, but it's also a little freeing for both of us to have a, a little extra time on our hands um, to to do stuff outside of the podcast and, and uh, Wisconsin athletics. Yeah, give you guys a little bit of a fresh content, something that obviously we talk about each and every Badger game and, and get into that. But now we can kind of broaden our horizons a little bit and talk about a little bit more. I wanted to start first with the Big Ten bracket that I saw today. But basically showed a snapshot of, of where the bracket would be right now if the Badgers were to, or if the season were to wrap up. And in the first game, Wisconsin got Ohio State. And if they won that game, they would take on Penn State. I believe the top four seeds were Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State, and must be Illinois was the other other top four. Should be. I would guess it'd be Maryland, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Maryland. So I don't – let me see if I can pull it up here quick. But the first-round matchup would be, again, with Ohio State, a team that the Badgers have beaten twice already, but that that season comes to hard to beat a team three times. So what would you make up a possible matchup right there and – would you would it be a favorable if you won that one to take on Penn State in that second round or what do you think? Yeah, I think that's actually an okay draw for them if they got Ohio State. I, I know it is hard to beat a team three times, but Ohio State's really struggled in Big Ten play. They're under 500 at five and seven, and and they just have really had some ups and downs. They're kind of riding into the tournament right now um, based off of what they did in the non-con. And, you know, they had some good wins. Some of those wins don't look quite as nice now as they did back then. But I think that's a team that Wisconsin matches up with fairly well um, since DJ Carton left the left the team or took a hiatus or whatever he is doing. But um, I, I think they have a lot of youth and Wisconsin has the bigs that can can go head to head with a guy like Caleb Wesson compared to having to go up against a team like um, Iowa, for example, with with Garza and some of the guards that they have. I think that's a, a matchup that I, at least uh, on paper, the Badgers would rather have than Iowa or Illinois, for example. Yeah, I would agree with you. As it sits right now in that first preview that they released, Wisconsin would be the seven seed, Ohio State would be the ten. And certainly this will be, you know, moving parts. Teams will will shift all over, but you've got Maryland as the one, Penn State as the two, Michigan State the three, and Iowa the four. So getting 
getting Ohio State, I think, in that first game would be ideal. I don't know if the Badgers would would have enough to jump up into one of those fours, unless you know those top four positions, unless they really got on a nice run here and and won out and, and took care of business. I don't really see that happening, but if you if you didn't make that, I think this is a really good spot to catch Ohio State in that first round, a team that you've handled pretty pretty well in both contests. And then you get a team like Penn State that if you were to win that first game, that has some talent, but I, I think they match up better with a, with a Penn State than you would with with an Iowa, like you mentioned, with, with the bigs and the guards that they have. Michigan State has taken it to you twice. I know they've been struggling, but they're a Tom Izzo team. In March, you probably don't want to touch. And then Maryland, you, you beat them in the Kohl Center, but they've been red hot over these last couple of weeks. So I don't, I, I think if you had to you know, dance with one of those four, Penn State would probably be the one that the Badgers could handle in that second game if they were to get by the Buckeyes. Yeah, and I actually think, I think the Wisconsin will climb a little bit. They, I think they have a chance to maybe slide into like fifth and best case scenario, like fourth, just because if you look at their schedule, the rest of the way, it's a lot easier than some of the teams that are right above them or kind of around them. They've got a half game lead on Purdue who they're going to be welcoming to the Kohl center. I like Wisconsin to take care of uh, them at home uh, at Purdue. That's a whole, they ran the gauntlet on that one. Um, but then you've got Rutgers and, and Michigan also at home here. If they can beat Nebraska, take care of business uh, against, um, um, Purdue and Rutgers at home, I, I think that really gives them a good shot because there's some tough games going on here uh, in the Big Ten this next week that's really going to shake some stuff up. You see, you saw what happened with Ayo Desumu with that injury and, and who really knows what's going on with Illinois because of that. So I think Wisconsin's got a shot to, to make some noise and, and make things interesting and maybe slide up a few rungs, in which case, you know, that's going to help them out big time if they could match up with say, having to play Indiana, who's just fallen apart uh, recently, that would be a lot better matchup than having to take on Ohio State in my eyes. Yeah, a lot of these, you know, you look at the bracket as it sits right now, Illinois and, and Rutgers. Rutgers at the sixth seed, Illinois the five. Rutgers has Illinois, so that would be a, a beneficial game for the Badgers. Of course, they've got their contest with Wisconsin. But Rutgers also has a trip to Penn State, and they've got Maryland at home. So none of those games are, are ones that I've, I would see the Scarlet Knights being favored in. And then if you look at Illinois schedule, they've got Penn State, Rutgers, and Iowa to close things out and a trip to Ohio State in between that. So schedule-wise, the Badgers have every opportunity to jump up from there and, and make some noise. It's just a matter of maybe can they get to that four spot would be would be a hopeful dream. I think if you went out, you, you have definitely have a shot. But if you could, I mean, that that double buy is so important come conference tournament time because you save some legs and it would it would really be ideal for a team with Wisconsin that doesn't have a lot of depth, only playing seven, eight guys at most get that extra day of rest. Yeah. And not to mention, you don't have to face off against a team like Penn State right away. You get you get somebody a little different where you're, you might have have to play a Rutgers or uh, an Illinois instead of a team like Penn State, who's rattled off seven straight. So I think Wisconsin's in a good spot. It's just going to be a matter of taking care of business because they have that game with Nebraska coming up but then they also have home games against minnesota and northwestern teams that i would think that they have at indiana is going to be tough just because uh it, it's it's not an easy place to play but it's it's definitely i would much rather head to indiana than how you look at some of the pecking order and 
who some of the teams above them are having to do. They're having to go to Michigan State or going to Maryland or going to Penn State. Wisconsin has gotten through that huge gauntlet. They've actually played the the hardest, or I think it was like top five schedule in the country in terms of strength. And if you look at it, they have the most quad one opponents of anybody in the country right now. So they, they've ran their gauntlet. They're through the stretch run uh, and now kind of need to coast through and beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. And if they can do that, they're, they're, they're set up nicely here in, in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. They, they have a schedule in front of them. If they can take advantage of it, I think would be beneficial to get on another run. We've talked about it so many times this season of this team, you know, ebbing and flowing and in peaks and valleys of both on the court and off the court stuff. To get on a nice little three, four game stretch run here of, of rattling off some W's, I think would be really beneficial to this team and sets them up in a in a good way come conference tournament time. And maybe you can if you get a favorable spot in that tournament, you can maybe rattle off a couple games and improve your overall seeding because right now Wisconsin is projected to be an eight seed, which would be something if you could move off that eight line, it would be good because then you avoid Right now, they're slated to take on Kansas in that second game if they were to get by. Uh, last week, they were projected to take on Baylor, who looks like the best. <laughs> you don't want either of those teams. Yeah, you want to get away from that one line as much as you can because in the national landscape, there's there's some really good teams, but there's also some teams with some question marks that if you can get to a more favorable position or at least maybe get to Gonzaga is pretty tough too as a one seed. You probably want to get to at least the two seed because the one seeds are pretty strong, but it's still a, a pretty liquid picture overall in college basketball right now. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, I don't think they're going to do anything better than a six seed. I, I just don't see it. Um, but if they could get to that six line, that would be, that would be huge. They're currently ranked as the, the 29th team, which means uh, at least according to Lenardi, which means that they are, uh, that they're really kind of set that they're probably going to make the tournament, but that's also means that they're the top eight seed. So they're close to the seven line. Uh, if, if they can make some, make some moves here and, and you look at the se- the six line, it's Texas tech, Arizona, Creighton, and Iowa teams that I think that they could definitely hold their own against. And um, so it's just a matter of them trying to move up a little bit by going on a run, like you said, to try to, um, bounce back and, and really uh, give themselves a really good spot in the tournament because a one seed like taking on San Diego State or Kansas or Baylor or Gonzaga, you, you're, you're going to get screwed. You're going to get thumped in my eyes. I don't think they got the firepower on a neutral court to take down one of those teams right now, but I could see them taking down a team like West Virginia or Florida State or Auburn who are kind of the teams in that three area. Yeah, that three, four cluster teams, they left out, uh, they sent out that, top 16 seeds as it is right now and you've got the difference between taking on a Louisville who's a two seed and, and Baylor who's a one seed or a, a Seton Hall who's playing pretty well I don't want to knock them but or Florida State is a lot more favorable than taking on the the powerhouses of the tournament which is right now Baylor and, and Kansas and Gazaga San Diego State is obviously undefeated but hasn't maybe been tested the way some of these other teams are so it'll be interesting to see how the Badgers can move and hopefully move into a more favorable spot because you do not want the Baylor bears in that second round game. No, that's a, that's a opponent that Wisconsin fans are, are used to given the, you know, the final four runs back in the day, but he, this is a different Baylor team and, and program right now, or you don't want to take them on. Let's talk about some national teams. Yeah. Obviously we talk about the big 10 quite a bit on the podcast, but we haven't talked a, a 
you know, huge overview of college basketball like we kind of did in college football. Who's a team that uh, you maybe have your eye on as a, a team that could, you know, make a make a deep run or or impress you know, down the stretch here and come that that first weekend and in, in, into the second weekend of March? You know, I, th- I think a team like Oregon, who has some some good athletes, they got some bigs, they got a really good point guard. They're a team that could make a good run. Um, you know, I think you, you could see a team like St. Mary's, who showed Wisconsin just how good they were when they took them down. They've got a lot of good guards um, and guard play in the tournament really kind of define a season. You you think of what they have. They have a lot of a couple good bigs, but then a lot of good shooting guards. If they get hot, they dictate their tempo. Um, they're, they're going to be a tough team, especially if they could get out of the eight, nine range, um, and maybe push into that seven range, even though I, I think they're pretty set that they're going to be a team taking on a one. Um, but I could see them upsetting somebody if they're able to dictate their tempo and, and make some shots. But then you also look at, at some teams in, in the, in the top, uh, you look at Dayton, Dayton is kind of look gone under the radar this season. They're on the two line right now, but they they they're only one of their only losses was to Kansas. And then they also lost an overtime game to Colorado, who is who is ranked for the first time in a while. Um, So there's a lot of teams up here that could that could make some noise. West Virginia, just with the tempo they play with. And then you see some of the Big Ten teams just because they're they've been beating up each other so much just to see get them out of this conference will be interesting because I think there's some teams who could make a deep run which we've seen in the past you know Tom Izzo you never want to sleep on him and and what he does but I I think Wisconsin Illinois um, Penn State Maryland are all teams that could also um, make some noise in the tournament yeah you kind of hit the nail on the head of of what things I was going to talk about because Dayton is I watched their game last night I've caught a few of their games you know, they coming into their game last night, Rhode Island had won 10 straight and they just blew the doors off of a pretty solid Rhode Island Rams team who in the latest bracketology uh, report was the Badgers first round matchup in that eight, nine game. So I, I wanted to tune into that to see what they were like. And Dayton just blew them out. They're a ta- really talented team. And I think they can move into that one line with given Kansas is scheduled on the stretch. They got some tough games still starting tonight with West Virginia. You guys will know the result of that as you're listening to it but there's some tough games coming up for them and then you talked about uh you talked uh, about west virginia already they uh have baylor twice i believe in kansas so they can make a run but the team i i really have an eye on we already touched on a little bit with seton hall miles powell looks like he could be one of the best players in the country and they've got more quad wins than anyone in the in the college basketball world so it's a team to pay attention to that it kind of flies under the radar because that Big East Conference isn't what it once was. It's it's not necessarily a mid-major, but it's not in the traditional sense that Power Five conference. So they're kind of in the middle, but they've got some tough teams in that conference. And Seton Hall is is looking like a team that could make a run just on the backs of of one of their best players in in college basketball. After that, you mentioned it already. It, it seems like the same old Michigan State storyline where they, they come in a little depleted, four or five seed, but Tom Izzo gets things right, and then they win two, three, four games, and next thing you know, they're a team that nobody expected to be in the Final Four in their struggles of February, but then next thing you know, they're there come early April. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with, with both Seton Hall and 
with Michigan State because, like I said, guard play can make such a huge difference in the tournament, and, and Powell can just straight up take over games. You you look at Michigan State, they've got the guards that can just take over games. Rocket, Rocket Watts is a really good shooter when he gets going, and then obviously you've got probably the best point guard or one of the top three point guards in the nation uh, on Michigan State's roster as well. So those are teams to to look out, and but I love the Seton Hall call because I think we have both brought them up in preseason mm-hmm. as a team to look out for as a as a potential Final Four team. Um, and then I also just the teams in the ACC, just that Louisville, Duke, Florida State. I, I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do in the tournament because they're all kind of clumped together really tightly and only have three or four losses playing really have played really good schedules uh, and have done really well against the the top of the both AP and USA polls. Uh, I think those are teams to also look out for. Yeah. I've got my eye on Louisville. I bought a a future ticket on Louisville way back in the beginning of the season. And they've, the ACC is a conference right now that they don't have a, a lot of opportunities to get quality wins, but they've got some good teams in there. So seeing how they, uh, do come March is, is going to be something that I have my eye on as well because I would love to cash in a, a nice future ticket on the Louisville Cardinals, but we'll wait and see on that. Is there any team um, you know, we talked about? There's a lot of mid-major teams in these top four seeds, but is there any team kind of off the beaten path that you see uh, could win a couple games maybe from an even, even lesser conference like that? Uh, and just, I mean, you look at some of it, it's usually teams that you just don't see coming. They just kind of come out of nowhere and and really just blow the doors off somebody and, and hit them in the mouth. And the team is just kind of stunned for a little bit. Um, so I, I'm excited to see that. I think Montana is a team who who is, is trying to is at the top of their conference, which is oddly enough, but they're probably not even the best team in their conference. So it'd be weird to see a team like that get in there who, who just kind of bludgeons their way to to it but um i i also just like uh, uh some of the teams like like hostra is a team that has got a good record should be solid this year but they're going to come in you know pretty low down on the totem pole and see if like they'd probably be like a 15 seed or something like that so could they be a team that would be good and um you know the, the uh, i look at the american conference as a as kind of a step down um, most of the time, just because it's not quite the exact same as, as the rest. And, and you look at some of the teams like that, Memphis might be is a team that's kind of on the bubble right now, but they've got some serious athletes with Penny Hardaway that could uh, could do some damage if they make it into the tournament. Yeah, you touched on a lot of good ones. The one I was going to mention was a little old team in Cedar Falls. Uh, Northern Iowa is a team that I don't know. I don't really how they do it. I've caught a couple of their games and they don't have anyone that really blows you away, but they're a solid team. I always try to pay attention to. There's a website out there uh, that that does a mid-major top 25 and kind of ranks the teams outside of that beaten path to to pay attention to. And I think they were ranked second last I looked at it. So they're pretty. And then that's behind the powerhouse that is Gonzaga. So if you look at if you consider Gonzaga a you know a blue blood program like they are in college basketball, Northern Iowa looks to be like a team that could maybe not maybe not make a final four run but win a couple games and upset and they've they've been prone to do that in the past so a lot of teams to pay attention to as we get closer to March madness anything else you want to touch on college basketball wise otherwise we can uh, kick it to some ads and, and get into our uh, running back preview well I'm, I'm just fascinated to see a couple teams to see if they even make the tournament right now I know um, Minnesota's kind of on the line just out and then you've got Indiana who's 
who's in right now, but but they're holding on by uh, their last draw. I mean, they've got a tough road here. They're I'm doing the um, preview for the week coming up of the viewing guide, and, and Indiana shows up multiple times, which is usually not a great indication of hey, you're you're going to have a great week, or or they could if they um, you know make some some lemonade here. But I I just think they're a team who who really peaked at the beginning of the year, and then you saw how how bad they got beat by Wisconsin in that first uh, um, conference game. And it was kind of telling about who they had played previously, because I don't think they had played a single team in the quad one prior to Wisconsin when they lost. So they're a team who's kind of riding their early, you know, beating Portland state and teams that have no business being in the tournament um, instead of, uh, you know, and you now see them struggling, I should say in, in conference play. Yeah, they're, I mean, the Big Ten Conference right now had, the last release had 11 teams in. I think that they'd be, I know that the conference is tough and deep. I think it'd be hard to get all 11 of those in. And, and Indiana is the one. They were in the last four in, so they'd be part of that play-in game as it sits right now. So you either got to have a, a big week coming up these next few games, or it's probably time to pack it in, or maybe they'll maybe they'll host a NIT game. But it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, how these, lower tier Big Ten teams that are probably still quality teams, how they somehow squeak in when they're playing such a tough conference and, and so many opponents night in and night out. For sure. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our basketball talk. We're going to go ahead and kick it over to some ads, and then we'll get into our running back position preview. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, guys, it's time to talk the ever-important running back position. Obviously, the last three seasons, we've been benefited by a superstar in Jonathan Taylor. But after this season, he announced his intention to go to the NFL, starting to pick up some traction from teams and getting some serious attention as one of the top backs in the class, which should be a no-brainer. But he's he's really starting to make some moves and hopefully will be a high draft pick for a NFL team and whatever team is takes that shot is going to be blessed with a pretty incredible player, just as we've been blessed with a top quality running back for the last three years. With that though, comes the ever important replacement of Jonathan Taylor. I don't think you can replace him necessarily, but there's some guys that are, uh, you know, waiting in the wing. So Matt, what did you make of the running back position as a whole? I know it was mostly JT this season in the last few years, but there was uh, some, some solid contributions from, from the entire running back room. Yeah, I thought JT obviously was the superstar that he is and had his best season in my eyes, uh, ran for over 2,000 yards on the ground, caught another 200-some, and and ended up with over 25 touchdowns total. So I thought he really elevated his game. I, it was nice to see him uh, improve in the pass-catching area. I think he's still got some room to improve on that. It's not super uh, – you know, like comfortable. He doesn't always look super comfortable doing it. Um, but at the same time, I thought, you know, his progression, if you could hope that a guy like Nakia Watson or Garrett Groshek can build on what they did this year, I think it really helps. Garrett Groshek 
is still just so great. And as that third down back, I think he'll still be that next year. But Nick, I, I was really impressed by Nikia Watson and what he brings to the table. He runs really hard. We saw that in fall camp as well when we were both at practice. And he's not afraid to run a dude over. I, I saw him run over Leo Chanel in, in practice, and it was a thing of beauty, like straight up truck the dude. So um, I think Nakia Watson does a really good job of falling forward. Uh, when you watched his tape from uh, this past year, he, he's got some burst. I think he's just got to get better at uh, his vision and, and kind of hitting the hole and being confident in it and running full steam through it. So he, he's a guy who I thought had a good year and put himself in a position to earn extra carries next year. Yeah, I think Nikia Watson will definitely be probably the leader in the clubhouse right now. Garrett Groshek is extremely talented and a, a quality back, but he's not going to be your your every down back. It's just not he, he doesn't have the the skill set to completely, you know, take over as a three down back. He's going to be in there in pass blocking situations in throwing the ball out of the backfield and he's going to get some carries, but he can't be a, a every down guy like that. So it seems like it's going to be maybe a committee role with him and Nikia Watson, who put together a good season when in, in limited opportunities. I, I know a lot of people maybe dropped the stock on Nikia Watson a little bit down the stretch because he didn't get a lot of touches. But a lot of that was, you know, while he, he maybe didn't earn or, or lose it, but also you have Jonathan Taylor in, in what probably was his last season in these ever-important games down the stretch with, with Minnesota and then the Rose Bowl you're going to get Jonathan Taylor touches because those were games that the Badgers had to win to get to that Big Ten championship. So how much stock do you put in maybe the last four or five games for Watson with with just a kind of a limited role and not getting a lot of carries? Is it just more he struggled or or more that you just feeding your your talent, and your superstar as much as you can while you got him? Yeah, I think it was just you're you're giving the ball in the biggest games to the guy who needs it. You know, you're looking at Ohio State and Oregon. You're, you're going to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. There's no like he can rest, especially when it's Oregon or I mean, first, let's start with Ohio State. He can rest between the bowl from the Ch Big Ten championship to the to the um, Rose Bowl. After the Rose Bowl, dude's got months to prepare for the NFL. He, he he'll be OK. And I know Jonathan Taylor would want to be out there for that so I wasn't surprised to see Nikita not get too many uh, carries in those games but but then you also look he ran well against Iowa and Nebraska nothing off the charts but you know 30 some yards rushing on and r running over uh, four four or five yards a carry so I, I think you know he he did really good at the beginning of the year when he was kind of in there more often um, specifically Kent State and UCF or uh, USF I should say but he, he's a guy who who I think He's he's somebody who's going to lean on a defense. You give him carries, he's going to start giving a pounding because he he relishes contact. He goes for it. I remember talking to him in fall camp, and he says that he said he seeks it out. He is he is similar to you know your John Clay, where it's like dude's a bruiser. He's going to be looking to to run guys over, um, put his pads down, and, and fall forward. So uh, a little different than what Jonathan Taylor is. So I, I wouldn't look at it too much as a knock on Nikia Watson because. They're just giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor because you should be giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, you'd be you'd be crazy not to. And I think Watson steps into a role where he's not he's not promised to be the guy at this point. But if you see things from him in spring and fall camp, he's probably if you know if you were putting money down on who gets the first you know dive to the left on the opening carry at Camp Randall this fall, I would think right now you're you're 
odds-on favorite would be Nikia Watson. And so he's, he's that leader in the clubhouse. And having that extra time to prepare and step into a new role, I think will be beneficial from him. So I don't worry too much, but it's definitely something that will, will be a focal point just simply given the fact that he's stepping into the giant hole and, and void left by Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be hard to replace him, but Nikia Watson, Garrett Groshek, guys like that are going to be the guys that are looking to to patch that position and hopefully contribute and, and make you know make plays, but maybe you don't have to do it and rely so much on just one guy. Maybe you find some running backs by committee that can give you sparks, which is something that the Badgers in the past have had two, three running backs that they can they can go to when the hand is hot versus the last three years it's been let's give it to you know argu- arguably the best player in college football. It's a no-brainer in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of the competition unfold this spring and in fall camp because you're going to have added bodies when fall co- camp comes with with uh, um, Berger coming in. So I, I think there's a lot of good, talented young guys that could that could be the guy to step up. It's just a matter of which one's going to do it. And uh, which and I think this winter conditioning is going to go a long way for a couple of them to put themselves in position to have that opportunity. Well, let's talk about some of the younger guys. You you brought up Jalen Berger already, who's coming in as a four-star running back from New Jersey. Highly talented, will be you know with I know there's some guys in front of him in terms of you know, age with with Groshek and Watson, but if he shows, could be a, a guy that makes an impact. And then you've got guys like Julius Davis, who coming out of high school was was highly touted, talented. I know he battled through some injuries this year and early in the early in camp, but. What do you make of uh, some younger guys like uh, Berger and Davis? Yeah, I think they've got a lot of really um, young, talented guys who are still getting to accustomed to the position, which, I mean, Nakia Watson's going to be a redshirt sophomore year next year. So he's still young. He's still getting accustomed to it just as much. Um, I actually think the guy in his class, Isaac Arendo, who made the switch from wide receiver to running back, um, if he kind of puts on a couple extra pounds here and, and really kind of leans into the role that that would be running back. I think he's a guy who's probably this, the biggest competition for Watson in a lot of ways. You saw kind of his role kind of elevate as the season went on, as he started getting healthy, after, as he kind of has dealt with hamstring injuries. He, he's a burner. Jonathan Taylor said he's every bit as fast as him and that he he when he understands where he's supposed to go, he's going to be really, really talented. So I think Garendo's a guy that I think – those two are going to be going kind of against each other in, in spring ball. Um, I also, I think Julius Davis is another guy. He's got to add some weight. He's right now, last year he was listed at 189. So he's got to add some weight to get up to a spot where, you know, low two hundreds is going to put him in a place where he could probably get some carries as long as he's healthy, because he's another guy who looks for contact, but he also can, can burn and he's got good balance. Um, if you watch his tape. So I think, They've got the bodies, and some of those guys are going to really be able to fight for it. I think Berger brings something a little different just because I wouldn't be surprised to play some slot uh, as well in mighty, maybe as soon as his freshman year because he can do so much as an all-purpose guy. But I really like Garendo to, to, to push for it, especially if he can add uh, a few pounds to get up to like 220. I think him and his speed paired with Nikia Watson's, um, you know, bruising – attitude would really um, pair nicely with one another in the backfield and, and give a nice little fire and lightning or uh, thunder and lightning, I should say, to let them run. 
Yeah, he's he's a talented kid. We and I think he's a name that probably Wisconsin fans not necessarily don't know, but haven't seen a lot of until late in the season. We saw him a, a couple times, but he's a guy that with that transition maybe maybe flew under the radar with the the highly recruited guys like Davis and Berger. So it'll be interesting to see how he translates. And you hit the nail on the head with Julius Davis. The weight is going to be the the biggest thing. At 189, that's that's definitely the the lightest running back in that room, and you you really need to be a, a little heavier at that. You know, Jonathan Taylor was 220, Nikia Watson's a little over 220. You want to be in that range to you, you just kind of have to be to be able to take the punishment of a Big Ten running back. You've got to have that weight on you and that that strength and the, that muscle to to bear through that 12 game season because this isn't just a the conference where you're you're pass blocking and and they're throwing it all over the yard like kind of you see in the Pac-12. This is a bruising, run-heavy you know conference where you're going to take shots game in and game out against some quality guys. So bulking up is is going to be the biggest thing for him. The one other thing I wanted to touch on, obviously a couple of years ago, Wisconsin football you know has, has always been traditional running backs, talented, giving their guys the ball, but Wisconsin also uses the fullback position a lot. Could you maybe see more of like we saw a couple of years ago where, you know, with Alec Ingold and, and Watt didn't really get a lot of carries, but Ingold did and guys like that. So could you see maybe more more fullback touches next year, just given that maybe they don't have a, a true number one guy right now? I, I don't think it'll be in terms of like major carries, but I do see it in terms of short yardage. I think Jonathan Taylor got some of those significant carries when you needed one yard, when you needed a yard and a half. Wisconsin has always utilized the fullback in that space, but at the same time, I think next year you might see it more because you're getting some of these some of these guys a little bit older. Some of your fullbacks are going to be a year older. They're, they're a little bit stronger. You know, Mason Stockey's going to be a senior next year, and I thought he played really well. John Chennault, just a year behind him, is, is another guy who, who can run, former running back in high school. So they And so is Stockey. I think they're both set up really nicely to be um, guys that if you need short yardage, you need a yard, you need a half a yard, give it to them. Let's see what they can do because Nakia Watson – as, as much as he is a pusher, if he's not the guy, they're not, they don't have another bruiser behind him to, to replace that. So Garendo is more of a speed back. Um, he's going to be accelerating through the hole. Garrett Groshek isn't who you want running in, in short yardage. Julius Davis, we just talked about him needing to add weight. Um, Jalen Berger, is, if he's the guy, he's still a freshman and, and isn't necessarily going to be your row grader. Um, so I think it's, it's one of those things where if Nikia Watson isn't the guy, or if you have another guy in there at that time, I think you're going to see, like you said, a little bit more fullback usage in those short yardage situations. Yeah, and it's worked for Wisconsin in the past with with Ingold and, and guys running like that. You're not you're not going to run, you know, when you need five six and change, but you're hoping that they get a yard and maybe they pick up more. But I think Mason Stocky and Chanel both have the ability to. I mean, Wisconsin's got three fullbacks on their roster, which if you go across the country and and look at a roster up and down, you're never going to find a team. With three with three fullbacks outside of you know maybe the Big Ten Conference and a few other places, you know Quan Easterling being the third and, and then Stocky and Chanel. So it's going to be a position that a lot of people forget about. But I think next year will be something like you mentioned that they'll they'll certainly rely on when they need it, especially if like you said Watson isn't the the bruiser or the guy that you need to lean on, or if you just need to give a, a different look and and go with some guys that that maybe teams haven't seen a lot of, I think 
you know, with Stocky and Chanel, they're both capable of doing that. And they're both, they, they had a great season this past year. They're both incredibly strong. So I'd be interested to see how, how that part of the offense takes, you know, takes shape with, with getting those two involved. Yeah. Another guy just to keep an eye on for fans, because we've seen it in spring. We also saw it in, in fall camp was Brady Shipper. He, mm-hmm. He's a walk on, you know, he, he's, he's not going to be the primary running back, but he's a guy who could down the line. Um, if, if you need a guy similar to Garrett Groshek as your third down back or a guy like Dario Ogumbawale, who were good in that third down role, but isn't going to be necessarily your every down guy. He's a guy who could fall into that role eventually. Similar size as Groshek uh, in terms of height. He'll add the necessary weight. He's a good athlete. He was a wide receiver in high school. So he's a guy who I, I could totally see um, kind of falling into that line if they need it. But I also think they have some guys who are um, capable, like like a Garendu, who was also a wide receiver, or uh, a, a guy like um, Jalen Berger, who could be your third down guy going um, eventually. And he might be more of an all-purpose, every down type guy. So um, I think there's there's a lot of talent in the room. It's just that it hasn't had the opportunity to perform. And But some of these guys, when they have had chances, have made big plays. You know, Nikia Watson's had good plays. Isaac Garendo, that one... Uh, end around kickoff return was was a thing of beauty and you saw just how fast he was um and Garrett Groshek just is is an ultimate gamer and a really talented player that uh is hard-nosed gets makes the extra yards you need when you're on that third down line yeah it's certainly a group that that has some talent again you know it's similar to really every position that we've talked about you have talent in the room you have guys that you you know the name of in Nikia Watson and Garrett Groshek but we also have guys behind him like Arendo and and some others that could certainly make the jump and, and make an impact Brady Shipper was one I kind of even forgot about so there's there's guys there there's talent there it's just a matter of of making that transition and, and getting bigger and better coming into fall practice because each rep in this winter especially at the running back position is so important because you've got to get stronger and you've got really a, a position battle it's a little easier to rotate guys into the running back position obviously there's there's one quarterback on the field at a time there's there's not going to be a lot of rotation at positions like that but running back you can put the fresh guy in so they can go two three deep and we've seen it in the past so definitely some opportunities for guys it's just about putting it out on the field and and making sure to take advantage of their opportunities no doubt anything else you want to touch on football wise i know uh that's that's kind of what we planned on. But anything else uh, in a quick wrap up or notes? Um, we I guess we forgot to talk about it on Tuesday, but um, cornerback James Williams also just uh, had to medically retire. Um, was gonna ha- is having his third um, knee or meniscus surgery. So um, you know a really big bummer for him just because he was he was a talented prospect coming in with offers from like Florida and Louisville and Nebraska and Ole Miss. So he he's a guy that you know was part of that incoming freshman class last year um, out of Florida, good athlete. Um, it's just unfortunate that just things just broke the wrong way for him. And uh, it's, it's best of luck to him. And hopefully he can uh, make great use of that Wisconsin education and, and stays in school and, and gets that going because uh, he's, you, you know, you're still getting your school paid for it. Might as well take advantage of it and uh, you know, further your life. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I saw that news and, Badger fans maybe not be super familiar with the name, but 
that pipeline of defensive backs from Florida. He was a kid that was, you know, part of that coming up and excitement. And I know there's there's good depth in that cornerback room already. So maybe Badger fans don't know the impact, but it's still a kid that that has a deep passion for football. So it's really unfortunate you feel for kids like that 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 love the game and want to be out there just medically don't have it in them to do it and, and, and didn't want to risk further, you know, setbacks and injuries. And that's, that's unfortunately that the, the game of football, sometimes it wears on, on kids and, and they just can't keep doing it and you can't blame them at all for that. So hopefully he can, like you said, take advantage of his education and, and turn it into a positive, but unfortunate news for James Williams, a, a promising and talented young kid uh, coming up in the Badger program. So All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back with you next week. We'll have more Badger basketball to talk about. Then we'll wrap up our position previews. We're getting down to the end of them. I believe we've got wide receiver and then defensive line and then uh, special teams, and we might do a little coaching overview as well. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure to tune in next week on Wisconsin. Yeah.